Hello, Stephen. Hello, Erica. We have watched episodes four and five of Doctor Who and the Silurians. That's right. We have. Serial code BBB. I can remember that because it's like, I think it's just like, beep, 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 beep. I can't do that. I can't do that. Do you do it? Which one? Any of them. Like three, any of the three notes, B, B, B. In the key of B? No. Which B is it? B, 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 that yeah, one? Which yeah, one? something oh. like that. Just okay. lots of Bs. Just remember, like you're going boop, boop, boop. That's a little third eye, which makes noises too. Which apparently they have to shake their head all about those Silurian fellows or ladies or I'm going to refer to them as people. The Silurian mm-hmm. uh, Silurian people who you know just wiggle wiggle a head back and forth, and that's what activates the uh, the their their light and sound effects. Yeah, kind of like how you know the Daleks uh, sort of like wiggle about a little bit when they're speaking even though they have lights on their head to determine mm-hmm. which one's actually speaking i find that uh traditional doctor who monster policy is <laughs> you, you have to sort of like just to you know wildly to indicate that that's the one speaking when there's no moving mouth and mm-hmm. when one person peter halliday otherwise known as becca who does all the voices for the silarians as all doing th- yeah he does all three yeah so so the, uh, the actors are having to sort of like play mm. do something you know let him know come on it's a motion picture here let's move or something like that <laughs> yeah wow peter yeah. halliday does a good job of being a bunch of different voices it just sounds like very different characters yeah i want to say that peter halliday was also the voice of the cyber controller in the invasion but i can't remember that <laughs> for sure i don't know yeah but yeah it's uh i feel like the silurians themselves I appreciate the fact that we have sort of like echoing ethical conundrums on on either side, but I feel like the human side is handled with a lot more subtlety. Right. And it feels very cartoony on the Silurian side. And not just because they have to wiggle back and forth every time they talk, but um, just because you, you know... I think in part because we haven't spent um, three, four episodes getting to know these these creatures, these people. Um, so they're just, you know, there's there's they have their own baker, like the yeah. the one that's sort of like a more of a, a brownish tint to their uh, carapace, their scales, whatever. Right. Um, and they're the one. I'm just going with they yeah. as a gender neutral pr- pronoun. Uh, they're the one that is just. <laughs> We need to kill them all before they before they kill us. Which you know, in one way, they're the baker because Baker was very much the one that wanted to just get down there and kill all the saboteurs. Yeah. But in another way, they're the Miss Dawson because Miss Dawson is the warhawk on the other side. Yeah. I loved that first scene where Masters is there. Um, pretty excited to see him show up. Jeffrey Palmer. Jeffrey Palmer, yeah, from As Time Goes By. Uh, this is a great, great, great story for guest stars. I'm so excited. Uh, but anyway, so he shows up and he's there with Miss Dawson and Liz is there and the head of the operation. I can't remember. Dr. Lawrence. Yes, Dr. Lawrence. Oh my God, that guy. What a drip. By P- Peter Miles. Mm. Do you recognize him at all? Is he related to Lawrence Miles or Liz Miles? No. He <laughs> will turn up uh, in Doctor Who twice more, but most famously... 
uh, with the little glasses and a black uniform and standing at Davros' side most often in Genesis uh, of the Daleks uh, as Niter. Okay, so he did. He does look kind of familiar with, yeah. without the glasses. It's, it's harder to tell. Yeah. So anyway, the reason that I love that scene is that the prime sort of movers, the, the people who are really speaking their piece for their sides and trying to argue one view versus the other, mm-hmm. are Liz Shaw and Miss Dawson, and they are totally butting heads. And you know, Liz is is saying we we need to negotiate. There's no need for bloodshed. This can be mm-hmm. this can be handled. And Miss Dawson is just like, no, we need to destroy them before they can destroy us. I've seen what they can do. We have to get as many men. We have to send them in. We have to go, go, go. And it, you know, this is this is exactly the conflict that I would expect to be happening uh it's you know it's a conflict that we have seen and will see over and over again in doctor who you know the the sort of pacifist or at least less violent approach versus the uh kill them all sort them out later approach only this time it's being argued by the two women in the room and the men in the room are mostly the ones that are just sort of passive and sitting there listening and uh, and not not having a whole lot to say about it because Masters is really he's there to he's there to listen that's his yeah. job and sort of take it all in and make decisions based on on that and then <laughs> Lawrence like he doesn't want any of that to happen because he still refuses to believe <laughs> that any of it is even going on in the first place he's just completely got his head in the sand mm-hmm. so I found that just really just really awesome like that's not the kind of thing I get to see very very often is the 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 prime plot movers and the prime people who are thinking about the cause and effect are the ladies in the room. They're making it happen. Yeah, and they are, you know, they are still sort of relying on sort of secondhand advice, I suppose, from people they know or experience anyway, because the doctors, apart from Liz, gets swatted down. Um, But, you know, doctor, I mean, uh, Miss Dawson doesn't actually encounter the Silurians firsthand, but Mm -hmm. a Silurian has killed her friend, Dr. Quinn, and so she gets like, revenge, let's kill them. Whereas Liz, you know, knows that the doctor has gone down to meet one, Mm -hmm. or has met one anyway, in Dr. Quinn's uh, cottage, and she has an entirely, well, I trust the doctor. He thinks we can like actually negotiate with him, so I'm backing his side. Well, I mean, Liz is doing it from a position of trusting the doctor, yes. Miss Dawes is not doing it from a position of trusting Quinn because his thoughts like were were very different. She's basically she has she has formed her own conclusions based on the uh, the evidence that she has seen. Mm. So you know she knew about them to start with. It seemed like she was sort of less trustworthy of them in the first place than Mm. than Quinn was, Uh, and then she saw. Uh, that they that they killed him and yeah so you're right her motive is very much revenge and fear yeah that's where she's coming from but i don't think that she is relying on somebody else's observations of anything she's just going based on the limited information that she has liz is going based on the limited information that she has and her trust Mm -hmm. of the doctor yeah yep Everyone has a different motive. You know, Quinn is there, be, you know, does what he does because he wants knowledge from the Silurians. That's what he's in this for. Um, the doctor wants peace between the two. The brigadier just wants to eliminate the threat by whatever means necessary. Lawrence just wants to get his work done and anything else is just an inconvenience. There's nothing like he doesn't believe in it because he doesn't want to believe in it because he is worried about his career and the job that he's doing and masters. Is, is typical government bureaucracy just sort of taking everything in and then heading off to London um, 
but saying that uh, to Lawrence that yeah we're shutting this down. Mm-hmm. So I mean I feel like. I feel like you're selling government bureaucracy short a little bit here because honestly, I think Masters comes in and is eminently reasonable and he doesn't jump to any conclusions. He listens to all sides. Mm -hmm. And at the end of it, he says, we need to shut this down. And I think that that is a very measured and correct response. I think the only the only thing that I would sort of uh, uh, shake my head at him for is the fact that he's going to head back to London and suddenly he doesn't feel so great and yeah. he knows that there's this plague. Like I, I said, oh my God, it's the beginning of The Stand. Because I've read The Stand several times and watched the miniseries several times. Uh-huh. I love it. It's one of my favorites. And yeah, at the beginning, if you're not familiar with it, it's a, a government um, facility in the United States where a super virus Um, breaks out and they try to close down the base and there's one guy who manages to squeeze out before the gates close and he takes his family and runs but of course he's already infected and then that's where the the beginning of the infection starts so i'm just having flashbacks to that and thinking about oh no masters is just going to take it and spread it farther i don't know if he will we haven't Mm -hmm. gotten there yet but uh but actually i think you know people give government bureaucracy uh a very bad rep and sometimes that's that's okay but oftentimes bureaucracy saves you from really really bad things happening Mm -hmm. there's a reason for it and i think it's it's helpful more often than than not so i uh i am team masters here i think he's great and not just because it's jeffrey palmer say was that because it's jeffrey palmer yeah this is sort of the you know there's a there's a history of uh of uh men from the ministry in doc in 70s doctor who mm-hmm. uh you're right this one does seem to be a much more competent example of it malcolm hulk i think the writer um was maybe distrusting of such such people from the government in future episodes but mm-hmm. you're right this one seems to be a little more competent yep yeah because i can you know think forward to to some of like several other of the stories that i've seen and yes you you get the the pompous dude from the ministry whereas here i feel like the pompous dude is the dude who's you know lawrence who's who's in charge yeah. i don't feel pomposity coming off of masters very much at all you know he is he he definitely feels sort of like upper crust and mm-hmm. maybe a little prissy but i i think he's good at his job i think he's doing what he's supposed to do so i'm i'm i yeah team hashtag team masters Mm-hmm. Well, I hope I hope it goes well for him in the next couple episodes. Yeah, I don't have a lot. I don't have a lot of hope for him, but uh, but but right now I feel like they. I I hope he makes it through. I just don't have a lot of that hope. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. But yeah, I I I pr- appreciate that he sat back and kept his mouth shut and didn't suck all the air out of the room and you know basically let the the people with the stronger opinions and the greater amount of knowledge mm-hmm. about what's going on talk about it. Mm-hmm. And then made his decision based on uh, what he got. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Oh, I forgot to mention that uh, I think we saw it in episode one or episode two. I can't remember. But the first use in Doctor Who of what the BBC called color separation overlay, but is what is more commonly known today as green screen. Mm-hmm. Or chroma key. Or chroma key. Yes, or blue screen. They didn't use green. They used blue screen for the most part back in those days. Yes, where they, they sort of superimpose... I'm not going to get into the, the technical faffery about it, but it's, you know, to do a picture-in-picture kind of thing or to do the 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 dinosaur that was in the background was put in that way. The, a couple of the view screens were like that. Yeah, brand new world. To, uh, to put it in terms that at least a, I, a lot of Americans will understand and probably Canadians and Brits, um, 
think about your television weatherman yes and how um and i'm saying weatherman specifically because i got to go and tour channel six when i was in elementary school and we had a weatherman whose name i wish i could remember he's a very nice fellow he had red hair anyway he showed us um he showed us his big it was a blue screen uh, at the time because I was much young younger mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah he showed us how it worked so there's just this giant blank blue screen and he stands in front of it and then if you look at a monitor there he is in front of a, a weather map of the entire state of Wisconsin mm-hmm. how neat is that so it's just the same thing instead of a weather map behind uh, John Pertwee it's a cave yeah. or you know a dinosaur or something like that so so yeah, I, I grew up n- knowing it as as chroma key or green screen. I think color separation overlay or CISO is a super cool name for it. Yeah. So I like to call it CSO. And it was episode two, I believe, yeah. two or three. It wasn't episode one. Yeah. And you you said just as I was noticing, hey, is that CSO? You said we're seeing history here. I was like, yay! I noticed it. Yeah, and it was surprisingly a, you know subtle shots yeah. in this story, uh, which are maybe it's because they were just sort of like easing it in, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll become a bigger thing in Doctor Who in the 1970s. It's relatively new technology when it comes to, you know, because we're just doing color. And, like, it's amazing that, hey, we, we're doing color now. Now we could do this new thing called color separation overlay. And so, like, Barry Letts is a, is a very sort of technical, technically advanced producer who always wanted to try new things and stuff. And so I think he was spearheading this um, this move to, because um, I think he was involved in some of the early tests, I think, in, like, the mid-60s wow. and stuff. So... Yeah, so when he became producer, he says, well, we're going to try this out and see how it happens. Early adopter, Barry Letts. That's what he was, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else about this? Uh, these two episodes? Liz uh, switches back to her, like, sort of yeah. red... I love I love that she's changed back to like the red sweater dress in part because I love the red sweater dress also because one of the things that really bothers me in modern TV shows often is or any TV shows is when you see a character wear an outfit and then you never see them wear that outfit again mm-hmm. uh, like or even on a sitcom where you see somebody wear something that it never comes back if they're supposed to be like a regular working class American family and they right. don't repeat some of the same clothes that is not realistic I like the idea that you know we can tell that they been here for several days because there have been you know miss dawson has changed her outfit a few times and uh yeah there's been a few times also that uh, that liz has has changed her clothes so the idea that you know she probably packed a bag that had uh, just a couple of outfits in it and now she's got to rotate back around to the first one that she brought fantastic that is a detail that makes me really happy i hope there's laundry facilities at the uh, winley moore um institute establishment here there are people that are basically uh, living there, I think. Well, I mean, the Dr. Meredith. Well, there's Dr. Meredith. He comes and goes. But I was thinking oh. of Dr. Quinn, who's got a cottage that he goes to. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe they're driving in from somewhere else. But um, I can tell you that there is usually a laundry facility in um, in scientific establishments because mm-hmm. you have a bunch of lab coats and stuff. Right. I used to I used to work for a biotech company. Uh. And and yeah, so there are usually some facilities somewhere to launder things like um, the scrubs yeah. and lab coats and you know hair nets and that kind of thing. Gotcha. So I'm sure she was able to honestly that sweater dress. She probably had to hand wash that in a sink somewhere. <laughs> Otherwise, it would have just gotten all stretched out. Wow, mm-hmm. the, the the struggles uh-huh. that Lashaw had to put up with on these on these road trips. Yeah. Staying up all night trying to get stuff done, and then she's got to stay up even longer hand washing her mm-hmm. her red dress. Maybe she just aired it out. 
Calgal, take me away. Calgon. Damn, I couldn't remember what it was. Mm-hmm. I, there, there may not be bubble bath facilities. <laughs> Possibly not. Mm-hmm. No. You're probably thinking of Woolite. Woolite is <clears throat> what you use to hand wash garments in the sink. Well, I can see the logo of it in my head, but I haven't uh, thought about Woolite for many years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me either, since I don't do any hand washing. Yeah. Or of wool. That's true. Yeah. That is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else about this? Uh, these two episodes, yes? We haven't even really talked about the doctor very much, going down and putting his, his life on the yeah. line and uh, getting immediately captured. No no big surprise, but mm-hmm. talking the, the the leaders, rest, it's rest their soul. Um, but uh, the leader seemed to be pretty wise and... You know, very quickly onside. That was another thing that felt sort of, sort of cartoony, like just immediate turnaround. It wasn't right. it, very. It felt sort of like a Cliff's Notes version of how that sort of a determination process would would actually play out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, we're already at seven episodes. You know, wanna, <laughs> you don't want to stretch it up right. too much farther. So, uh, and it is you know a show sort of aimed at kids. So doing the broad strokes is fine. Yeah, because we, you know, we don't find out about the Silurian culture, race, history until the humans get down there to see it. So we, you know, we have to learn about the history of the whole species while also sort of like determining who are the different factions that are going on. So they may, you know, and they all look alike. They're, I mean, literally they're taken from like the same head mold. Um, so they have to kind of try, you know, it's, they have to be a little more, I think, pronounced in their yeah. differences between the three different Silurians that we see speaking. So, you know, mm-hmm. television. Yep. Yeah. They are sort of like broad, more character types. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that the, the idea that, okay, you've got however many thousand or even million uh, Silurians who are in hibernation, the idea that you could have one leader who would just decide that they're all going to live together with the humans and that everybody is going to be okay enough with that to make that determination, that's what felt a little a little flimsy to me. Right. Uh, and obviously it turned out to not be the case. I think if that the leader had been more wise mm-hmm. and actually better at leading their, their people, uh-huh. they might have gone to the other Silurians who are already awake and said to them, here's the situation. I think, you know, this is this is the decision that I'm making. Right. This is why I'm making these this decision. So uh, give me your thoughts, but, we, but we're doing it. And, you know, th- as somebody who works in correspondence and works closely with the communications team, I feel like having a communication plan for <laughs> your s- entire species right. is important. Well, so I think they should have thought more about how they're going to roll it out to the rest of the, the folks <laughs> as they wake them up. Uh, just that's that's part of the decision making process that I completely understand skipping mm-hmm. because that probably wouldn't make the most exciting television. But that's the kind of stuff I'm thinking about that made it feel a little bit more uh, cartoony and like an outline rather than a full story. Well, apes would maybe do this and have meetings and committees and email chains yeah. and stuff. But Silurians, they don't like doing it that way. They just mm. do it, uh, you know, they have a basic a leader and mm. that leader makes the decisions. Although it's odd that the maybe, maybe it's a thing where... I'll, the leader is replaced by whoever kills the leader. But I feel like the Silurians are a little more advanced than that. But the young Silurian is the one who kills the leader and says, you know, he was no longer fit to lead us. And then just sort of walks away. Thinking, well, so are you the leader now? Is that like just like de facto? Like, oh, well, we killed him. So I guess he's the leader now. 
Oh, yeah, he did say he, so I, that's, I guess, the appropriate gender pronoun. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, because he said he was no longer fit to lead there us. Go. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so at least the uh, the leader was, was male. But you're right. Shame on me for taking ape culture and just automatically applying it yeah. to Silurian culture. I am... Yeah, like culturally just centering on myself here, and that is rude as can be. This is why the Silurians hate us. Mm-hmm. I guess I, I can't blame them. However, it seems like that particular style of rule didn't particularly work for him because, yeah, that was that was another thing that felt just like a little quick and thin. Uh, I feel like I want to give them... Do they have designations? So there's the leader, there's the scientist, and there's... The the Miss Dawes of the Silurian. Miss Dawson. Dawson. Miss Dawson of the Silurian. Yeah, I think I think it's credited as young Silurian, okay. old Silurian, and scientist. Those are the okay. three credited roles. Okay, so young Silurian, yeah. who really doesn't want any of this, no. just just says, does he even say anything? Just basically. Starts wiggling yeah, back and forth. I'm the leader and I have decided. And then he walks away and says, not anymore. That's right. Yeah. Yes. So, okay. And then begin head wiggle. Yeah. And then, you know, the light starts flashing on and the leader is just immediately killed and falls to the ground. Yeah. I feel like as, like, can you not fight back? What is that? We tried. He's sort of like, ah, I'm going to come at you and like pound your chest a bit. But then I just mm-hmm. died. Yeah. I, I would have maybe fought back with my head lamp third eye thingy well he took him by surprise yeah, being because the young seller started shooting him in the back basically that's true that's true i, and I do Howard. Have to admit that his uh his flailing arms as he was trying yeah. to come back and attack the young silurian was really silly looking yeah. that did make me giggle yeah mm-hmm. yeah so you think the silurians overall are kind of silly looking uh in in this story or you know i actually i don't mind the costumes mm-hmm. i i don't have strong feelings for the most part about most uh, rubber suited monster mm-hmm. uh, people, etc. creatures uh, in Doctor Who. So I'm I'm fine with the way the Silurians look. It's the movements that strike me as a little bit, a little bit silly. And I realize that there are very good real world reasons for that. Yeah. Uh, when you like you said, you don't have a moving mouth. You got to do something to show mm-hmm. who's talking. I liked the scenes where Baker was in the jail cell in between the two Silurians, and Baker's head turning left or right was a very easy cue for me to know which one was talking so i didn't have to you know they didn't have to shake maybe as much in that scene Uh Mm -hmm. well they also are you know have to sort of show them as being alien and not just people in rubber suits so Mm -hmm. act not human Mm -hmm. walk around somewhat silly like i guess you know maybe they didn't bring rosalind to winter in for special insect movement or that's very sad she should have been brought in for special reptile movement yeah. I want a t-shirt special reptile movement. <laughs> oh, movement. Um, but yeah, I was just going to say something oh. and I lost it. Sorry, was it about Silurians and moving and stuff? I think it was. I think it was about the Silurians and oh, alien, the word alien, which right. I you know, it's it's an okay word to use in in the fact that it means different from yeah. you know different from humans but it has such a connotation at least now and i would have assumed at the time such a connotation for being a creature from another planet mm-hmm. that it always strikes me as a little bit off every time i hear it used to describe the silurians because they're not from another planet they're actually from here mm-hmm. so so yes they are alien from from apes because they are different from yeah. but uh but they're not 
aliens with an S because they are Earth creatures. Yeah, they predate the apes. Mm, they're Terrans just as much as we are. They are. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else you got about these two episodes? There's a lot of uh, talking and negotiating and stuff in, in, in these two with the doctor and in the caves and stuff. I liked I liked the talking and negotiating. I, the talking and negotiating that was entirely Silurians was that was the parts where I started to maybe lose my focus just a little bit because right. there was a lot of head shaking and just you know very gruff, quick dialogue. Right, Peter Halliday having to pitch his mm-hmm. pitch his performance up and several times during the course of a scene doing all the voices as he is. I would like to take a moment to shout out Travis. <laughs> yeah, the very efficient Travis running the phones basically in place of Dr. Quinn there, yeah. Oh my God, he was great. Uh-huh. And he knew he was great at his job, mm-hmm. which is something that I that I appreciate because uh, Dr. Lawrence comes in and you got to imagine that everybody on this base really can't stand Dr. Lawrence because he's such a prick. And uh, so he comes in and he just, he thinks he knows everything, which is the thing that's most annoying about him. And you know, what's going on? Is it this? And Travis is like, no, nope, we already checked that. It's not that. Okay, well, I'm going to call Dr. Quinn. Already tried him. He's not answering. Where's Miss Dawes? It's, oh, she didn't come. Dawson. In. Dawson. I always say Dawes. Why? Uh-huh. Anyway. Uh, you know, she didn't come in today. Why? Well, give me Miss Dawes. Uh, we already tried her. She's not answering yeah. either. Cancel the call. And, <laughs> and then when the phone rings next, uh, Lawrence is about to reach out yeah. and grab it. And Travis just nabs it. Yeah. Like just shoop. And uh, and then it's just that the uh, the over un, un, the permanent undersecretary yeah. is there uh, in the building and like so the call is technically for mm-hmm. Dr. Lawrence. <laughs> Travis inter- intercepts it, and then as you pointed out, the very last moment before uh, the undersecretary and Dr. Lawrence leave, like Dr. Lawrence looks back at Travis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thinking, yeah, I'll get you. Yep. Yeah. So. Yeah, I uh, I don't know if he's going to appear again in this story. I would be kind of almost surprised if he did. Mm-hmm. But he, I think for this story, is like my favorite random side character that only has a few lines. Mm-hmm. He was excellent. Team Travis. Team Travis. Mm-hmm. Second Blake 7 reference. Ah. Because uh, Travis is with mm-hmm. yeah, Paul Darrell. Yep. Who's also in these episodes as well. Stuck in the caves with the Brigadier. He was. He yeah. got to... He, he he was a very good soldier. He didn't seem to to lose his cool. Mm-hmm. He was um, very officious. Like when you know uh, the brig said map, he immediately popped up his arm. Yeah. The map was right there. Like he is a great right hand man. Actually, it was his left hand. I think that he had the map in. But mm-hmm. oh, <laughs> the look on your face at that pun. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, nice work from Paul Darrow. And everybody was like, as they were getting less and less uh, oxygen, they were getting more and more sweaty. Yep. For which you know makes sense because it's hot down down there. So that was that was nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, so two episodes left. Then six and seven. Oh my God, we're so close. We're almost there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I just I I have been overwhelmed at the uh, amount of Doctor Who that we have had to yeah. watch in such a short several weeks of time so i look forward to leaning back and relaxing back into our lazier schedule and sort of doing it whenever we feel like it as opposed to doing it whenever we have any yeah. spare time yeah i don't want it yeah we we will be taking it a little easier after mm-hmm. after today 
Um, but not too easy as to uh, to stop it because you know the next story and the next story after that are two of my favorites. But then there's also uh, NHL playoffs coming around the corner, and that's that always takes up both TVs in the house thanks to my obsession of watching every game. Um, so yeah, so enjoy this little spate of productivity from us because it uh, will will be going on an unofficial little hiatus I think in in mid April. Yeah, you may remember that from last year and the year before. <laughs> so we do this here on Lazy Doctor Who. So, all right, uh, let's press on and finish the story in the very next episode. Of Lazy Doctor Who on the Incomparable Network. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.